everyone, I'm Taffney Hopper, and you're listening to Talking Nonprofits, a podcast about the world of nonprofits. Follow along so you too can learn how to make a difference in your community. On today's podcast, we have Susan Goodell, the CEO of El Paso's Fighting Hunger Food Bank. A little bit about Susan. Susan has a real passion for working with vulnerable populations and a solution based to the issue of hunger in America. El Paso and Fighting Hunger Food Bank is the youngest food bank in the Feed America network. Since Susan has become the CEO, the food bank has increased food distribution from 10.5 million pounds in 2017 to over 61.3 million pounds in the first seven months of 2020. Under her leadership, the food bank is now ranked 26 out of the 200 food banks in terms of service to the community. So Susan, you have really put food banks on the map for distribution. Now, what is the makeup of those who need food? Can you tell me about that? Stephanie, in normal times, here in El Paso, we're talking about a number of different circumstances. We're talking about people who are living in poverty day after day. Uh, That's about 23% of the population here in El Paso. Another 33 to 34% of our population is what's termed ALICE, asset limited, income constrained, but employed. So this means the working poor people who have a job, uh, they work hard every day, but they don't make enough income to afford all of uh, human beings, basic human needs. So not enough money for heat, for food, for uh, electricity, for medicine, for rent, that sort of thing. So we're talking over 55% of the population in good times uh, do not have enough income to support themselves and their families. And then, of course, um, there are are situations that can bring a middle-class family down fast, things like job loss, uh, a major illness in the family. Uh, And then when we look at this community over the last few years, the disasters that we have survived as a community have impacted an awful lot of people from the government shutdown in early 2019 when people were not getting a paycheck, but still required to go to work. Uh, The refugee crisis that brought thousands of people into our community that really came to us with nothing. Of course, the mass shooting last August and now the pandemic. These unexpected life events just wreak havoc and people's ability to feed themselves and and their loved ones. Of a, a variety of different factors. So, you know, I, I've noticed on your, your website and on Facebook, you're reaching out, you're saying thank you to a lot of members of the community. Can you elaborate on how, how El Paso has stepped up to assist during COVID-19? COVID-19 has had an, an, a real adverse impact on this community beyond the health consequences, which have just been horrific uh, here in El Paso and across the nation, across the world, uh, we have seen the economic disaster resulting from COVID and the shutdown of our economy, and ultimately the impact on individuals' ability to survive through this financially because of loss of jobs, et cetera. And so when we look at our efforts here at the food bank to 
uh, provide for this community, it's, it's been, often it's been a miracle everything, every single day. Looking back at mid-March when the city shut down the senior centers and very quickly uh, the county uh, shut down the senior centers that run by the county, we suddenly had 20 senior centers that were down and for the poorest uh, seniors in our community, that's where they often get the only meal of the day. And so when the senior centers closed, it became a real crisis for our elderly poor. And so the food bank immediately stepped up and within a couple of days, we were in the parking lots of those 20 uh, senior centers, filling the trunks of seniors as they drove by, they would pop their trunks and we would fill their trunks with a variety of canned goods, box goods, fresh fr uh, produce, fresh and frozen meats, fresh dairy, so that they could um, get through and not be exposed to the, the virus by having to go out to the grocery stores. And for the most part, they didn't have in, money in their pockets to go to the grocery stores. Uh, within a week, we were doing mass distributions here at the food bank, which we continue today. Uh, six days a week, uh, we had uh, and continue to have five major distribution points strategically located around the region where people can go on a weekly basis to get a week's worth of groceries free of charge. Unfortunately, in the early days, we did not have the capacity to provide uh, safety from the pandemic at all 132 soup kitchens, shelters, and pantries where we normally would have distributed. So we had to shutter uh, well over a hundred uh, of these small pantries and so forth and quickly uh, stand up these large distribution points so that people could get food in a safe environment. We, we pulled direct together resources from every possible conceivable uh, area to find the food necessary, the funding necessary and the manpower necessary to feed uh, El Pasoans. Today we're, feed, we're providing enough food for 146,000 El Pasoans to have three meals a day. Wow. That takes a lot of manpower and resources to get that job done. So for three months, we had the National Guard assigned to the food bank, 96 guardsmen. We had, we started off with 40 some workforce development interns, primarily troubled youth programs. We had uh, Team Rubicon, we had Get Shift Done. We've had the most cobbled together team, I think, anywhere. Uh, but somehow at the end of the day, we're able to distribute enough food for 146,000 El Pasoans. Wow. Is that like a 50% increase from before COVID or 60% increase? Like, can you, do you know the number? So the increase in the amount of pounds of food is about a 400% increase from pre-COVID to today. Pri prior to COVID, we were distributing about two and a half million pounds of food a month. Uh, we are currently, this past month, November, uh, we provided 15.8 million pounds of food. In terms of manpower, we, I don't have a percentage for you, but we have not been able to grow the manpower at the same rate that we have grown uh, our distribution in the community. So our, our team works hard here every single day uh, just to get the, the job done. We, are, we open our doors at 6 a.m. 
uh, in time to open to the public at, um, our doors open at 4 a.m., sorry. The line of cars is already here at 4 a.m. Uh, and we open to the public at 6 a.m., six days a week. And um, let's see, I think I left at eight something last night and there were still people here needing assistance. So since you said that, you know, the food bank workforce capacity is nowhere near what it needs to be or should be. So could you just brag on your team that is that and volunteers that are making it happen, even though there is not, you know, enough? Wow, I cannot brag on this team enough. Our people here are totally amazing and dedicated. Uh, I've gotten a little bit used to the pace that we keep here. We just hired a uh, a new person and she remarked on how from the minute our team hits the front door, they are running at, at an incredible pace just to keep up. And they run all the way until the end of their shift, uh, which oftentimes are very, very long days. And, you know, I just could not be more proud of this team. I've, I've been working in, in food banking since 2001 and I've never had the privilege to work with a team nearly as amazing as this one. It's really short, nothing short of a miracle. Our team uh, is so dedicated and so hardworking. I'm, I'm incredibly proud of them. Kudos, kudos to you, your team and, you know, and the volunteers. And I know that the city in the county really appreciate everything that you do. And I appreciate everything that you do. Um, from, you know, working as a volunteer, I know how hard it can be to, you know, sort and things like that since I was a volunteer for your, for the food bank, you know, periodically. So we appreciate you sharing that. So what's the one thing you would do differently for the food bank since COVID hit? I think probably the number one thing that we would have done differently is the distribution method for the food that we provide every day. In the early days when we had the National Guard troops here, we had lines of cars, sometimes miles and miles long, coming to the food bank and they would drive through our parking lot. The National Guard troops would take the food and put it in their trunks, about 60 to 80 pounds per, per family. And as the spring wore on into summer and temperatures rose to 106 degrees every day, it, that was incredibly challenging. And there were many days that I and the, and the other members of the staff would run out, when, uh, out the front door to pitch in because we just didn't have enough personnel. I can tell you from personal experience on many, many times, lifting 80 pounds over and over and over into trunks uh, of cars as they drive by in 106 degree heat is incredibly taxing uh, physically and mentally. And I think that when the National Guard left in early July uh, and we tried to do this work with civilians, uh, we realized that civilians could not keep the pace that trained physically strong young military folks can, can keep. And we experimented for about three weeks with multiple ways of getting the food to people 
what we finally determined was building grocery carts, filling them inside the building with um, meat and the dairy and the fruit and the vegetables and things that people need to stay healthy and strong provided protection from the heat and the elements for our, our staff and volunteers uh, and still allowed us actually to be even faster than when the military was in our parking lot filling trunks. So I wish we had been smart enough to figure that out sooner, but I think, uh, what is the saying? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there's been a lot of necessity here. I'm sure, I'm sure. So let's, let's talk about your executive strategy. Tell me about a professional failure you experienced and what you learned from it. I don't know if it's a failure, but I'm a really big believer in innovation and in experimentation and allowing people, whether they're volunteers or staff to try new things. And I think that we find some of the best solutions to problems um, when we can do that. And I think that for a growing food bank that's young and trying to do the work that we're doing, which is often insurmountable, uh, we, don't, we don't always find enough time uh, to, to do that. And I don't want to under, underestimate the work that we're doing here by any stretch of the imagination. We, during this pandemic, we've brought on 117,000 new square feet of facility. Uh, we went from operating in 67,000 square feet to 177,000 in the middle of a pandemic. We've automated our rice and bean packing work. We've uh, completely re-engineered our distribution methodology over and over again. There is just so much going on here. But at the end of the day, I'm, I love ideas. Uh, and I love new ways of thinking about things and doing things. And I think that given the pressure and the stress that's on this organization to get enough food out the door every single day for 146,000 El Pasoans, that, um, that that pressure and that stress uh, doesn't allow enough time for, for real reflection. And uh, I look forward to getting past this pandemic and actually having the luxury of doing more of that. What's something that surprised you since you've been in the nonprofit industry for a while? What's something that still surprises you about the nonprofit industry? I think that it's... Um, the kindness of others that I don't know if it surprises me, but it inspires me. I have often worked with organizations like this food bank that has had to take on what it seems like insurmountable effort and work to get a job done. And this food bank, which when I came here, we were the 138th largest food bank in America trying to feed uh, the 22nd largest city. And we knew that we had to grow and we had to grow fast if we were going to get that job done. And that's not a job that any nonprofit can do on its own. And I am constantly encouraged, constantly so inspired by people who are willing to pitch in in so many different ways. 
whether it's coming in and volunteering, whether it's writing a check, whether it's pre-pandemic doing a food drive, whether it's advocating with elected officials that no one in America should go hungry. Um, it's one of the things I love about food banks is everyone can play a role in some way in the solution to hunger. And I'm always inspired by the people who choose to make that a passion and choose to pitch in, roll up their sleeves and, and do something about it. Well, I really like your answer, kindness, 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 kindness. So what advice would you give someone who might be interested in being a food bank nonprofit director? I think people underestimate charities. I think that they don't always think about them um, as critical components of a community that must function very much as a business. And so many people come in with big open hearts um, and want to do good, which is, which is amazing and we welcome that. But to truly succeed as a um, nonprofit executive, you, you need to really understand and have the background to run a pretty sophisticated operation. So when I think about the food bank, I absolutely think about the humanitarian work. I think about the uh, vital nature of what we do from uh, the perspective of a hungry child. But to do that, we have to function like a trucking, warehousing, and logistics business. We have to be very savvy about profit and loss statements, all aspects of the financials. We have to be very knowledgeable about trucking and logistics, uh, about food safety, about every possible type of business management skills that, that any for-profit business would, would have. But in many ways, we have to perform beyond that because we don't earn money where a for-profit business, if they land a new business line, that comes with revenue. When we do something like take on a new business line, meaning that we're concerned about the elderly who are homebound or people with COVID-19 or have disabilities and they need to have food delivered to their homes, that business line comes with expense. And so how do we cover the costs of home delivery how do we cover the cost of boxes and food and labor? And so in many ways, nonprofits have to be even more nimble and find solutions when the work that they do does not come with, with revenue. And so my advice to an aspiring young nonprofit executive is to get, to get a good education in business, to understand the different parts of a nonprofit executive's role from fundraising to management practices to operating new business lines, because that's, in my opinion, the greatest key to success. The heart of the mission is always the heart of the mission, caring for little kids that don't have healthy food or seniors who are homebound. But if you're not savvy, a savvy business person, it will be very hard to do justice to that mission. Yes. So having a business background is, is very important. Now, what is the best way for 
our community to help the food bank right now? Wow, there are so many ways to get involved in the food bank. Um, and one of the things I think a lot about as I see the lines of people who come to the food bank needing emergency food is, um, is how easy it is for everyone to be part of this solution. So for people who are able to come out and volunteer, we are desperate for volunteers. For people who um, maybe can't come out and volunteer, but they can write a check, every dollar we raise is seven meals on a hungry person's table. Every dollar we can't raise, that's food that we can't, we can't bring into El Paso and we can't provide for our, our community. And perhaps one that is often overlooked is the importance of advocating with our elected officials that food is so vital to our, our community, not only from a humanitarian perspective, which is absolutely critical, but it impacts every aspect of our society. And if I were an elected official, I would be thinking about workforce development. I would be thinking about how do we have a workforce that can come to work strong if they don't have adequate nutrition. I would be thinking about education. How can our kids learn in school if they don't have adequate food? I would be thinking about healthcare and how important health, uh, healthy food is to ensure that our people don't um, get food-related illnesses like heart disease and diabetes. They don't show up in the emergency rooms, which cost us all thousands of dollars uh, for each visit because they, are, they have uh, low blood sugar from not eating properly. And I, think, I would think about our long-term care of our elderly who need proper nutrition to maintain their cognitive health. Really, food touches every aspect of our life advocating with our public officials about how important food is uh, to our people, to our society is another way that all of us can be involved. In your own words, Susan, what is community to you? I think community is caring for each other. I often think, particularly in this pandemic, if our neighbors were hungry, we would help. And I, I hear people talk about that. If my next door neighbor were hungry, I would help them. And I think that when an issue like this becomes an issue of shame, where people feel that they have to be ashamed that they can't feed themselves or their children, that it becomes a hidden issue. And that distances people who can help from people who need help. And I think that, um, I think community is about helping your neighbor, because the reality is, particularly in this pandemic, people may not know it, but our neighbors are hungry. We see them every day here at the food bank. We see them at our satellite locations across the community. We hear their stories. We see their children. And I, it is my hope, particularly today, that people who are fortunate enough not to have to come and get in the lines of the food bank that they will think about their neighbors and they will do something to help because help is desperately needed. Well, thank you so much, Susan, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking time out of your, I know, super, super busy schedule to be a part of it. And uh, we appreciate you for 
what you've done on behalf of the El Paso community in you've done so much you've you've helped a lot of people through your leadership so i thank you for that thank you so much tevany we appreciate you telling our story thank you join me each week to learn about a nonprofit's journey by subscribing to talking nonprofit wherever you receive your podcast follow us on facebook and instagram And as always, if you have any questions or would like to be featured on the show, send a note via the contact form on our website. Until next time, be the difference.